We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Hey guys, um, I cannot believe that I'm actually going to be able to get the uh, teaching done, which was yesterday, and then now I'm actually able to do urgent education, and all in one week. So I'm very excited about that. But I wanted to talk about a pattern that is seen in history that shows up before the downfall of a country. The reason I'm sharing this, well, let me put it this way, the downfall of a republic or a democracy. Um, the reason I'm sharing this is not saying that America is doomed. I'm sharing this because America needs to wake up and the people need to start exerting their will for how we want America to look and quit voting in and allowing elitists to take us down a path that will 100% end up in America not existing. And um, I want to start off with the, the basic, just real fast chain of power in America um, versus the uh, Antichrist system chain of power. So when America was founded, we were actually uh, birthed July 2nd, uh, 1776 by the Lee Resolution. The Lee Resolution was a legal document that um, changed us from being uh, British subjects and colonies of Britain into sovereign states. So the 13 called colonies became the 13 states. The reason the word state is important is even today in uh, legal uh, terminology, but back then uh, for sure, a state was considered its own country. So you'll see in old documents, the state of Britain, the state of Germany. And so the founding fathers ideas are that instead of being just one country, we will be the United States or the United countries of America. And so the states were born, but the only way they could legally be born was by the will of the people. So the will of the people elected representatives to then go and present this resolution to our elected officials who then voted on it and ratified it. And so the people formed the states so that the people hold the greatest power and then the states hold the second greatest power. 
Then we came up with a, um, it wasn't really a constitution, but uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it was definitely a contract. Um, oh, I wish I had my notes in front of me on what that was called. But anyway, uh, it, was, it was basically like a compact. So a compact is a contract be between sovereign entities that are on equal standing. And um, we tried to use this document for a while post-Revolutionary War, but it caused a lot of problems. And so our founding fathers got back together and uh, voted to do away with that original document. And then they spent through much um, arguing and debating and thought, um, hearing all the sides, hearing what the people wanted. They came up with the Constitution. The Constitution um, was not enough for a lot of the colonies. And so they demanded a Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights um, were, our Bill of Rights were formed very closely to Virginia's Bill of Rights uh, at the time. And so these Bill of Rights explain what our rights are as Americans. And so once we had that, um, the Constitution was ratified, I believe, in 1789, and it became the supreme law of the land. The product of the Constitution or the compact is the federal government. So you have the Federalist Papers, you have the Anti-Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers are the Founding Fathers that were in support of a centralized government for the sole purpose of foreign uh, conversation and exporting and importing and for war. Uh, that was it. They weren't supposed to control anything else. They weren't supposed to control your finances, where, whether you wear a mask, whether you get vaccinated, um, the uh, in, environmental protections. None of that was supposed to be controlled by the federal government. Uh, and I did a, a an urgent education on the welfare clause that I highly recommend that you go back and watch or you can listen to it on We the Deplorables. And so what this means for our purposes today is that the people formed the states on July 2nd, 1776, and then uh, the states entered into a compact and created a constitution that formed the federal government. So the federal government is supposed to have the least amount of power. Within the federal government, you have the legislature, legislative that has the most power, especially the power over money, and then you have the presidential um, aspect, which he has the second highest power. And then the least powerful is supposed to be the court system, the, the judicial. Unfortunately, because of poor legislatures and poor presidents doing, um, by the way, decrees that are not even legal, executive orders, um, were not a, a, a theocracy or a... Um, um, is it theocracy? We're not um, a king subject system, and theocracy is not the right one. But anyway, um, so because of these types of behaviors that are outside the scope of the law of the land, which our founding fathers said, anything that does not go with the Constitution is not even lawful, nor can it be enforced, People have to go to the Supreme Court or their Supreme Courts in their states or lower courts to get people to do what they're supposed to do according to the government or according to the Constitution. The problem is there's a lot of activist judges 
or people who think that the Constitution is no longer a valid document to run our country. The other thing before I get into the pattern, the six or seven steps to the downfall of a country, is that, um, oh my goodness, I just lost my thought. Um, well, I'll go this direction. The founding fathers were British subjects. And uh, I'm going to do a Constitution Training 101 next year, probably do it on Zoom. I wanted to do it live. It didn't seem to work out, so I might go to Zoom. And I'll give you guys information when I'm ready to, to start that. But it's going to be very short lessons. But it basically details our country and, and the legal documents as British citizens that were used to then legally separate ourselves from Britain. Uh, we didn't do this unlawfully. Our founding fathers were very uh, litigious, meaning they followed the law. And, um, and then when Britain refused to work with us, we then had to go to war. Uh, and so they, they followed the laws, um, the Magna Carta, the uh, 1100 Charter, all of those things to get us to that point legally where we were now our own sovereign uh, group of countries, okay? So states' rights are top based on the people's will, uh, which is why the Roe versus Wade did not eliminate abortion. The Roe versus Wade sent it back to the states where it should be anyway. And, uh, and then the federal government is not supposed to be as big and have as much power as it does. Well, in um, 1066 to 1087 in Britain, it didn't take long uh, once they got a king, and his name was Alfred the uh, Unready, um, he he was fine. He did his job, but the next king was actually William the First. He was French from Normandy. He wasn't even uh, British, and I'm not going to go into the whole like how he became king. It wasn't good, but the Normans uh, they did not believe in limited government, um, and so he was called William the Conqueror. And, uh, and so the, there were lots of different kings that followed after him that were of the mind that the kings are the absolute rule and that they should be involved in every aspect of their subjects' lives. And they felt, according to Norman law, that they had unlimited power. So Norman law gave them unlimited power. And so William had to fundamentally change British law and change the government in order to keep his head. And here's how he did it. Now, these are not the steps, but I think you'll see some things in here that is reminiscent of things we're seeing in this country and why it's so important. And I remembered my thought. The United States of America is not a democracy. A democracy is mob rule. So if you look back at um, the Clinton-Trump uh, election, Clinton won the popular vote, and that was because of California and New York. The reason the Founding Fathers decide on a republic with an electoral college, and I went into depth of why that's so important also in a previous training, is because they knew that certain states or cities would have more population than others. Therefore, they assigned a number of representatives of each state based on population in order to represent the people. So even though Clinton won uh, California and New York, and that put her at a populist vote, um, Mr. Trump won the election because the electoral vote 
uh, of the states went to him. So he had more than she did. And that, and you'll hear her talk about that. And it's ridiculous. She needs to get over it. Okay. So we are a republic, not a democracy. And so when you see, like, even on Fox News, um, other people say, we're a democracy. No, we're not. We are a republic. And so don't fall for that line because they want us to think that it's in our benefit to allow mob rule. Of course, they're not going to say that. But when they say a threat to democracy, absolutely, they feel that certain uh, candidates and government officials are a threat to democracy because they want mob rule. Um, but the founding fathers were afraid that there would be a mob that would eventually have the wrong ideas and not understand how America is supposed to function. And then it would destroy us from the inside out. So with that being said, when we get back to William uh, of Normandy, who became the second king of Britain and had unlimited power, according to Norman law, he changed the government to this. He changed the judges to be one with himself. In other words, they were puppets, so, so they would only do what he wanted. He used judges to bring in foreign law. He used judges um, to attack all opposition. So a uh, lawfare, you're hearing that word a lot with um, all of the indictments against Mr. Trump, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like if you look at the Georgia indictment where they released the mugshot, which by the way, anybody that's watched my stuff or has been around me for uh, any length of time knows that I love Mr. Trump. Uh, I plan on getting the t-shirts, the mugs, lampshades, I don't care with his mugshot. Um, but that one of the charges is that he said the election was rigged. That is a free speech. I can say the election was rigged. I believe it was. I shouldn't be put in jail. I shouldn't have charges brought against me. Uh, and there's also some people looking into this DA because uh, they feel like what she's doing is a political vendetta. They're trying to mess with the election. So anything that the fake news media and this administration says Mr. Trump is doing, you can pretty much guarantee they're doing it. Okay, that's just been the whole thing. Like the RICO statute, uh, Biden has 20 shell companies of which he has funneled money through and he has several aliases that he used during the time he was VP and he was bought and paid for. And, uh, and this is evidence. They have bank records, they have testimony, they have text messages, they have all the stuff from Hunter's laptop, which he finally admitted was true. But, oh no, that's not true. That's not true. Trump's the bad guy. The orange guy is the bad guy. So the way I look at it is these government elites, including many of Republicans, uh, I don't like either party, quite frankly, uh, they're bought and paid for by foreign interests and lobbyists. And they like the power. Okay, and so when you have someone that's an outsider that literally came in, started building a wall, started doing all the things that they didn't want him to do, you have to go to extremes to get rid of him. Like, I don't know if you heard this, but in Maui, they cut off the exits. Why? And then, uh, and this was reported on, and then uh, the wall gates were cut open and welded open in Arizona for flooding. There isn't any flooding for the antelope. And so now illegals are just rushing through in Arizona. You have to start asking why, right? You have to start asking why. Why is this administration suing Texas for protecting its border? And why is this administration selling off the wall that we bought and paid for? And why is the administration opening up the gates in the wall to let illegals in? Why? Why are they doing this? So we have to start asking these questions and demanding that these things be resolved and get these people out. 
And so we had this judges to attack all opposition. January 6th comes to my mind. They reward compliance. Okay. You better wear this or you're not going to be able to work. You're not going to be able to bank. You're not going to be able to do anything. Okay. And then no more rebellion. Rebellion was not tolerated. And then he replaced leaders in the pulpit who were loyal to him, not God or the word. And then he controlled the social standard standards. So I'm sure you can see from these things that William did that we're seeing a lot of that in our society. Okay. Now, um, this resulted in his son. He also reigned. He's a very evil man. Uh, his brother, Henry I, killed him in a hunting accident and became the king. So the people brought forth the first document called the 1100 Charter of Liberties. And this is like, we're not going to put up with this stuff anymore. And if you guys don't straighten up, we're going to cut off your head. Okay, so now we're getting to the um, King John. He was the most evil of all kings. Uh, he's the king of Robin Hood, actually. That's where that whole story comes from. And he robbed the people through taxes. Does that sound familiar? Uh, and Robin Hood was a freedom fighter. Uh, so what John would do is he would take the taxes he collect and he'd give people enough stuff that it pacified them. Again, does any of this sound familiar? See, our founding fathers knew their history. They knew how it worked. Unfortunately, we don't because true history is often not taught in schools anymore. Uh, social justice issues are. And all social justice issues are is an attempt to make people in this country fight against one another and be unhappy with how things are so that we will think that we're oppressed when we're not. Okay? So it's very important that we understand. Um, the separation of church and state, a lot of that came from our history of the kings using the pulpit and the, the ministers of that time. And it was not to keep us out of the state. It was to keep the state out of our business, our church business. So you have the Magna Carta. You have different things. Um, the Grand Remonstrance of 1641. And, uh, and here is how people take over a country. Okay. So the first step is corrupt courts. So we've talked about that. There is lawfare going on. There are corrupt courts. There are DAs that are bought and paid for by George Soros that let out criminals and don't prosecute theft, etc. And that have turned major cities that were once beautiful, thriving, profitable uh, places into hell holes. San Francisco, parts of New York, parts of D.C., the list goes on and on, Atlanta. And so the corrupt courts and the anti-cop messaging has really caused a lot of problems. The second one is infiltration of foreign law. And so there was an agreement with WHO, which is a foreign organization, um, that we would comply with their laws when it comes to infectious diseases like COVID. That's not cool. Another thing is centralized banking. Our constitution prohibited a centralized banking system because they saw what happened with that in England. You, people could just not have money anymore because the government would take it away if they weren't happy with you. And so uh, I believe it was World War I was actually triggered 
for the sole purpose of creating a centralized bank because it couldn't get voted uh, in favor of in our government because they knew it was against the Constitution. Um, so infiltration of foreign law. We shouldn't be living according to any foreign law. We have our own supreme law of the land, and that is the Constitution, and then the states of everything outside those perimeters of the Constitution, and then we, the people, uh, have the most power, right? The other thing was no property. And so uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do find it interesting that a lot of uh, houses have been bought that are now rentals, and it's made a, a shortage, and it's made it very hard for young families to buy a home now. Uh, you know, when I was young, we bought our first house, and it was reasonable, and we could afford it. Now, young people can't hardly afford a house. They can barely afford rent, and so you see a lot of young people uh, living with their parents. Well, the phrase, the pursuit of happiness, I also did a teaching on that at the beginning of these so that it's also in the podcast, We the Deplorables. And I talked about that the pursuit of happiness is land ownership. That's what that is. And so we should be able to own property. It shouldn't be able to be taken by the government. You know, we shouldn't have to just rent. Now, I'm not against renting. If you want to rent, that's fine. But in America, we should have the ability to own property. The next step is taking over the church. I don't know what the church's problem is in this country, but they're really irritating me. So I'm a Christian. Um, I believe in the word of God, but I would say that the church is some of the most spineless and also ignorant when it comes to the schemes of our government. So like with the whole um, pandemic situation, churches just shut down. They didn't even question why for the good of the people, right? And it's like, well, first of all, if you believe in healing, that would have been helpful. But the second thing is, why are you allowing the government to tell you to shut down the church? The church has more rights than anybody else. It's freedom of religion. In fact, like even if you're a 501c3, the Supreme Court is very leery of enforcing the rules, meaning that if you speak politically, they don't want to strip you out of your 501c3 because they said it will it will chill freedom of religion and free speech. And so we, we, we existed before America ever existed. The Supreme Court, that has been their decision. The church has existed before America has existed. Therefore, religious liberty is an ancient right. It's an ancient law, and we're just not going to take it away. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, Romans 13, that's a bunch of crap. The Lord says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So that does not say unless there's a pandemic. Okay, so we're supposed to be in the trenches in such times and we're supposed to be the hope that people need. And instead, we went dark. We went AWOL. And it's been a problem. And, and there's even churches that are in cahoots with local government to push these ideas. Uh, I think I also touched on that on a couple articles I read that weren't even on um, ministry websites. It was actually um, what was happening on a secular website, especially concerning environmental protection and then also pandemic. So there are pastors that are attending trainings on how to get the people to be compliant. So that's another thing where the church is coming under the control of the government, unlike any time I can remember um, since I've been alive and I'm 50 years old. For the first time that I can remember and for the first time in the history of this country, the church shut down. 
and we were forced to. We didn't shut down. I didn't care if I went to jail, but um, that is a number four, okay, of the, the downward spiral. Number five is fiat money, and that's paper money. And so when we were taken off the gold standard, it allowed, um, I don't remember what it's called, but something easing, um, quantitative easing, I believe it's called. So what that is, is we'll just print money. And so the, the worth of your dollar is very low uh, compared to what it would have been on the gold standard. And I haven't yet said why we went off the gold standard, um, but it was a bad idea. And one of the things that Trump was going to do in his second term was to get us back on the gold standard. So you can imagine the elites don't want that because inflation is good. They want inflation. They want us to struggle because, again, if we're oppressed and struggling, they can do what they want to do easier than if we're not. So that's an issue. And then number six, last and final step is disarm the people. And the um, English government actually did that to us. So during our, it was over a decade that we tried to negotiate with England. One of the tactics they used were the writs of assistance. And so basically they put a tax um, and also banned uh, uh, any use of items that were not from Britain, stamps, sugar, etc. And in order to enforce this, because they wanted to keep us dependent on Britain and not allow us to have our own commerce, they uh, sent agents in with blank search warrants. That's what writs of assistance were. And they would go into houses and they would search the houses for any contraband. But what they were also doing is raping our women, raping our daughters, and they were stealing the money of the merchants. So even if they didn't have a reason or a suspicion that a merchant or a family uh, were using contraband, they had these writs of assistance, so they would just go in and rob from them because that's what they wanted to do. It had nothing to do with contraband. And then they didn't take away our weapons because they knew that we would shoot them. So what they did is they made it almost impossible to own a weapon, and they taxed the crap out of them. So I can guarantee you that if they try to implement this last step, they're going to make it very difficult to get ammunition, they're going to make it very difficult to get guns. They're going to make them so expensive that most people can't own them. And I did a whole Second Amendment and how the primary goal of the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, was to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government and then personal safety. That was the entire purpose. No one will tell you that. And so um, if they try to do that, which I think if we don't stand up and do what we need to do, we will see that attempt to disarm the people. Any nation that has ever been disarmed has fallen, okay? So those are the six steps to the downfall of a country. I'm sure you can see we're pretty darn close. We are pretty darn close. So what is gonna help America? We need Christians to quit being nice. So I did, um, uh, and it wasn't my original idea. It was Charlie Kirk. Uh, but I did a, a We the Deplorables Urgent Education on this. Um, I think that was the last one on stop being nice. And that the original meaning, and I looked it up, of the word nice, and you can too at dictionary.com, is silly or stupid. And so a lot of Christians have confused kindness with being nice. And they're two totally different things. The Greek idea of kindness 
is that if someone needs gentleness and nurturing, you'll give them that. But if they need a whip or a rebuke, you'll give them that. And so kindness is not nice. Uh, one of the biblical examples, according to Zodiades, is when the Lord sat in a corner and made his whip and then drove out the money changers. That's actually a biblical example of an aspect of kindness. And so we're going to have to get active. We're too comfortable. And wisdom is doing what you need to do before you need to do it. And I'm afraid we don't have, I'm afraid we just don't have the motivation which is evident by the last election. I remember a pastor listened to Biden's speech and said that was a very unifying speech. It's nice to have someone, and this person's not, not um, a liberal, but he says nice to have you know, just some decorum again and some you know, kind words, nice words to get us all in unity and blah, blah, blah. And normally I don't respond when people post things like this, but I said he's lying. He's a racist. Uh, and his true colors are going to come out, and he's a snake. And so he's just saying what we want to hear, and that's a problem. We need to be willing to listen to what we don't want to hear. We have to be willing to face things with bravery, even if it upsets our lives, even if it causes us pain, even if it causes us discomfort. It needs to be a personal policy uh, for each one of us that we're willing to do the hard stuff for the sake of our children and our grandchildren. America is not lost yet, but I fear that we're close. And I know that if Christians don't go to the polls and vote for life and vote for freedom, and if we don't get involved locally and demand our local leaders, our local school systems, our local law enforcement obey the constitution, if we don't recognize that local and state politics are actually more important than federal, but don't ignore any of them, uh, I don't have any hope for our country. But I know there's enough of us. The Lord keeps telling me there's more of you than them. We just need to wake up. So that's um, what I wanted to talk about. And what spurred it is the latest indictment on Mr. Trump because this is a weaponization of our government. We first saw it with Obama. I don't care what your view is of, of, of Obama. He weaponized more ABC agencies than any president in the history of this country. And he also sowed hatred. What should have been a proud moment and a the progress from being racist in the 60s and the Civil War and all that actually hurt us more. And it set us back. And so where we should have been more unified between all races and understand that we're Americans, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, which just me saying that means I'm racist according to um, the uh, um, critical race theory and the fact that I'm white. Um, but we should have unified and we shouldn't see each other by our skin color, but it became very pronounced during his um, presidency. So I'm not gonna be surprised if President Trump wins. However, um, he can't fix us. He can't fix it. He's grace if he does get in, but he can't fix it. We've got to fix it or we're in trouble. So I just wanted to share those things with you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, if anyone ever wants to be brought up on video and have, they have a question, let me know, uh, down in the, the comments and I'll get you up. So anyway, 
urgent education this week. Um, this will all go onto um, YouTube and also, uh, I believe, our website and uh, destinationchurchclovis.com and then also We the Deplorables. And I have a whole series on the Christian's role in government um, from, I think, maybe one or two years ago that I would highly recommend that you get into. It goes into voting. It goes into uh, Romans 13, etc. Let me leave you with this final thought. The purpose of government, according to Romans 13, is to execute wrath against the unjust. We're not here to elect a pastor. We're not here even to elect someone that will bring unity. Because in the government's mind, unity means you agree with everything that they think. We are supposed to have a president that deals with foreign negotiations and issues that protects us with lethal force if necessary by executing wrath uh, when necessary. We're not voting in a, a pastor. We're not voting in a friend. It's not even a popularity contest, although that's what it's become. We're voting in someone to protect us from foreign threat to protect us even within our country if our governors won't do it, and to deal with foreign affairs. That's it. That's our only job. So when we, we go to the polls next year, please remember this. And remember that the local and state are just as important as the federal. Okay? All right. So that's it for today. I am going, or this week, I am going out of town next week, so I don't know if I'll get uh, anything done going to see the kiddos uh, in D.C., uh, going into the lion's den. Actually, it's a fabulous area. I, I fell in love with it when I was there. I mean, it's nothing that the news tells you. Now, I know that the swamp is there, but as far as the people and the experience and the kindness, it's been great. So anyway, have a great weekend. Love you guys. Listen to some um, past teachings on the podcast. Let me know if you have any questions. You can email us at clovisfurnace at gmail.com. Thanks. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a noble or this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.